Well, welcome to Newport Church at Home Online. Whether you're joining us from near or far, we pray that this time will be uplifting for you, faith would rise in your heart, that God would encourage you through the word in the time of worship that you would experience his presence and that this would be a, a moment where we can connect with God, with each other and with his divine purpose for our lives. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose. Whatever's going on in the world around us, God is sovereign, he's on the throne, he will not be moved, his purpose will not be uh, moved away from his original intent for you, for me, for our church, and for our world in which we live. Be blessed, and I pray that our worship team will lift your spirit right now in Jesus' name. Good morning, Newport Church family. We are so happy that you're with us this morning. Come and worship with us this morning. Victory. 
All my dead left for dead beneath the waters I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore And should I fall in the space between What remains of me and this reckoning Either way I will bow to the things of this world Cause I know I know I will never be alone There is another in the fire Standing next to me There is another in the waters Holding back the seas And should I ever need reminding What power set me free There is a grave that holds nobody now the power lives in me There is another in the fire Whoa There is another in the fire darkness bows to him I can hear the roar in the heavens as the space between where sin I can feel the ground shake beneath us as the prison walls came in nothing stands between us nothing stands between last verse there is no other name but the name that is Jesus he who was and still is and will be through it all so come on may in the space between all the things I'm seeing and this reckoning I know I will never be Should I ever need reminding How good you've been to me I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I can see, I can see the light In the darkness as the darkness bows to him I can hear the roar in the heavens As the space between where sin Feel the ground shake beneath us as the prison walls came in. Nothing stands between us. Nothing stands between us. Be another in the fire. Standing next to me, there'll be another in the waters. Holding back the seas. 
And should I ever need reminding How good you've been to me I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be Father God, we thank you for the work of your spirit in our lives. Thank you for the ability to, to honor you, to worship you, to exalt you. And I pray that right now for each and every person, wherever we may be in our homes and locally, globally, that you, Lord, would do what only you can do. Every one of us has needs. Every one of us has concerns. Every one of us has to battle with, with the, the things that come against us in life individually and corporately. But we know greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. If God be for us, who can be against us? And I pray, Lord, that you would encourage, that you would uplift, that you would put hope in people's hearts. Where people are sick, may they be healed in Jesus' name, supernaturally. Where there is lack, may your provision come. Where there is despair, Lord, may you touch people with a fresh touch of hope. And in it all, Lord, may as we put our trust in you, may you be our strength and may you be our hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So good to be able to worship God and to connect with him. So glad that you are with us. And before we continue in the, with, with the rest of this service, we want to take a moment to talk about our generosity, about our giving. And uh, as we prepare to do that, um, I want to just share a thought from one of the stories of Jesus and the disciples when Jesus was teaching to a large crowd. There were over 5,000 men besides women and children, the, the Gospels tell us, and there was no food. There were only five loaves and a few small fishes. And Jesus said to the disciples, bring those to me. And Jesus blessed the loaves and fishes that the disciples brought to Jesus. He gave the loaves and fishes to the disciples. And then they began to pass it out amongst the 5,000 people. And lo and behold, the miracle happened in their hands. As they were handing it out, it kept multiplying until everyone had been fed. And at the end of the meal, there were over 12 baskets full of leftovers. Well, that's an amazing story. But what I want to highlight is that the reason that the loaves and fishes were multiplied was that the disciples brought the loaves and fishes to Jesus and he blessed them. The key to the multiplication was that Jesus blessed what they brought to him and then it was multiplied. If the disciples had just gone and tried to hand out the five loaves and, 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 and a few small fishes to the, to the crowd, they would have run out. It was only because they brought it to Jesus. Jesus multiplied what they brought to him. And when it comes to our finance, when it comes to our giving, and the Bible is full of 
stories about giving and generosity because God is a giving, generous God. And he wants us to partner with him, just like the disciples did with Jesus in our generosity and giving. And today, as we bring our donations, our tithes, our offerings to Jesus, I want to encourage you mentally. Maybe you're giving online or, or, or maybe you're mailing in your giving. Uh, whatever way you're doing it, let's not just do it automatically or do it because it's a, it's a routine or a religious ritual. Let's mentally think, today, Lord, I'm bringing you my offering. I'm bringing you my tithe and I want you to bless it. And I know that when you bless it, it's not only going to feed other people with natural and spiritual food, emotional food, but you're also going to multiply it back to me so that at the end, there's going to be baskets full that are left over. So I'm going to end up with more than I had before I brought it to you and you blessed it. That principle is one that is seen in God's word over and over and over again. And as we as a church partner together and all of the things that we do, feeding our community every week, going up to Santa Ana and feeding those that are hungry and all of the groups that we have that bring emotional and spiritual food and strength to people in our world, our, our online service, the church building that even though we can't meet in, we still have to maintain and have responsibility for the rent and so on. All of that is possible because of what we're doing. But when God blesses, we end up seeing a miracle take place. I pray that miracle will take place in your life and that collectively we can continue to go from strength to strength in these uncertain times. So let me pray for you now. Father, I thank you that you are the God who is generous in every way. There is no need that we have that is beyond the scope of your power. And so today I pray that for every person, as we bring our donations, our tithes, our offerings to you, would you bless them? Would you bless them so that they are multiplied, so that many people are fed spiritually, naturally, emotionally, and that at the end, the leftover, what comes back to us would be more than 12 baskets full. We thank you for that because you are a faithful God and because we believe the promises of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Be blessed. God bless you. Happy Sunday and happy fall. We have had the most amazingly hot weather this past week. And in other places, it's been cool. It's been way more fall-like when it comes to sight. The changing of the leaves, the colors, the cooling of the weather. But here in Southern California, it's like permanent summer. And I do love summer. But here's what I love about fall. I love all of the five senses. 
I love the sight. I definitely love the sound, the smell, the taste and the touch because it's a lead up to Thanksgiving. And in our home, we have embraced this season, even though my favorite colors are not necessarily the fall colors, orange and um, burgundy and all the, you know, and if that's your taste, yay, because how about uh, unity in the midst of diversity? But I do love white. So I have a white pumpkin on our outside porch bench. I have some white pumpkins as you walk in our front door on our dining room table as well and at our fireplace. And I love fall because I love the sight of this season that says family. And I want to read to you from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And this is an amazing passage of scripture because um, when we think about Solomon and this book, it's, it's quite the riddle of life. Here is what the Bible says. I'm going to read to you um, verse 1, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. For everything that happens in life, there is a season, a right time for everything under heaven. So it's hard sometimes when you live in like permanent summer to be aware of all the seasons. But the seasons are super important to us because God created them. He created summer, he created fall. In Australia, we call that autumn. He created winter and he created spring. So it's up to us to embrace the seasons and to understand what God is saying to us in every season. So this coming week ahead, my prayer for you is that you look to Father God for what he's saying to you and your family in this season, because he's always got something very powerful and timely to say to us when we seek him. I love you. God bless you. Well, the title of my message this morning is Know Your Place, Take Your Place and Own Your Place. Just recently, I was watching a documentary. It's a series actually called The Playbook, A Coach's Rules for Life. And it's, it's a series of programs on various coaches and the rules that they, principles that they've established in their coaching careers that have enabled them to be successful. And one of these was a coach by the name of Jose Mourinho. If you are a soccer fan, you will know his name well, probably one of the most successful coaches uh, in the history of soccer. And he happens to be the coach of the team that I support, Tottenham, right now. But in the program, he talked about many of the things that were key principles in his coaching that had made him successful. And one of the questions that he was asked was, how did he coach the most uh, brilliant players in the world because he coached some of the best players in the world over his coaching career. Yet when he was a player himself, he was a, a first grade player, but never really reached the standards of those players. And his response was very interesting. He said, I can't teach that player 
better skills. They, they, they know how to develop those skills themselves. They work on those skills. But what I've learned is I don't coach the player, I coach the team. In other words, he realized that the key to the success of the team was not the player, but the player integrating in the team. You've often heard it said it's better to have a team, a, a, a star team, than a team of stars. And of course, one of the most important things when you're coaching a team is that everyone knows their place. Everyone takes their place and everyone owns their place. That's the key to a successful team. And when we as a part of the body of Christ are a, a part of the greatest team that anyone could ever be a part of, we're a part of the church. We're a part of, of God's, God's uh, army, of God's, uh, of God's people who are, who are working together globally to establish his kingdom, to see his kingdom come and to see his will be done. And how important it is that for us to be a part of that, that we all know our place, that we all take our place, and that we all own our place. And as we've been looking at this, this in this series at how the nation of Israel transitioned out of 40 years in the wilderness into the promised land, we've been looking at the key, uh, the key things that they needed to to navigate as they transitioned into a totally different environment, uh, out of the simplicity of the desert into the complexity of the promised land, or out of the out of the uh, uh, environment where, in the still lonely, quiet desert, they were able to to be free from the distractions that they were going to encounter. And so many of the things that we've looked at in recent times, God wanted them to take those lessons into the promised land. But one of the most important things was that when they entered as a unified nation into an environment of many nations, seven nations all competing with one another, out of an environment of unity into an environment of great disunity, it was so important that for them to maintain their, uh, their focus in order for them to be the people that God wanted them to be, to establish themselves in the land under God as their God, that they, all of them, knew their place, all of them took their place, and all of them owned their place. And likewise, that is so important for us as we transition out of this COVID-19 season with the lockdown, the restrictions, the inability to meet, how important it is that when we come back together that we all of us step up and we step in and we all take know our place, that we all take our place, that we all own our place and that in the process of that, that transition, no one is lost. No one is, is dislocated. We know that during times of transition, we've already looked at this, we are most vulnerable during times of transition. Our physical body is most vulnerable at the points of transition in our body, our elbows, our knees, our neck, and so on. So today I want to take a look at that and how uh, God, God helped them as a nation as how God guided them as a people for them to take their place in the land, to own that place, uh, and, and to fulfill what God had called them 
to do. In the last couple of messages that we, we looked at, we talked about how God established three things. Uh, uh, the first of those things we looked at already was that the first thing, God established a central place of worship. That was originally Shiloh and then became Jerusalem. And Jerusalem became the center where God's presence was, where the temple was established, where the Holy of Holies was. That was the central place, focal point for the people of God. And today, the church is that central point. We, we've read in Ephesians about how the church is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church. So first thing is, the centrality of the church of Jesus Christ as we transition into this new season, the centrality of our local church where we meet, the centrality of the gathering of God's people together that has a powerful dynamic that the enemy hates, but we are going to re-establish and we're going to step into after maybe nine months of not being able to meet corporately, we're going to be able to re-establish that. The second thing was, um, that in the, in, in the midst of this, that they, they had to establish new patterns of worship. And we've had to, over the last nine months, establish new patterns of worship, of watching online, which we're doing now, of Zoom calls and so on. But in order for us to step into this next season, when we regather again, where we meet again, we're going to have to, in a sense, reestablish that old pattern will now be a new pattern for us because we'll be doing what we haven't done for a long time. And we all know that over uh, 21 days to make a habit, 90 days to cement a habit, well, we've had at least two or even three times 90 days to cement a habit. We're going to have to establish a new pattern of regathering, of coming together in worship again in God's house. The third thing that I want to look at today specifically is is the subject in question of how we need to know our place, take our place and own our place. So the third thing that God did was in establishing his community, he made a place for everyone. In establishing this new community of faith, this new nation of Israel in the promised land, he made it clear to them all that there was a place for everyone. And as we uh, as we look at that, the, the, the most important thing that, that God wanted to establish for the nation of Israel when they entered into the promised land, that there was going to be a place for every tribe, for every family, and for every individual in the land. There would be a plot of land. There would be a field. There would be a vineyard. There would be a mountain. There would be a piece of land that was to be the inheritance, the possession of each and every person that entered into the land. God was gonna divide the land between the 12 tribes, between the families in each of the tribes, so that every individual would know that they had a place, that they would be able to know their place, take their place and own that place and establish his purpose so that his kingdom purpose would be Established. And in Numbers 24, we read very specific instructions that God gave to Moses about how the land should be divided up. 
He gave Moses the boundaries of the land, the extent of the land from the, from the north to the south and the east to the west, from the river Euphrates in the north, uh, all the way down to the desert and the wilderness of Zin, um, from the east uh, on the east side of the Jordan River to the west to the Mediterranean. He gave all of the uh, all of the uh, the um, extent of the land that they would they would possess, and then and then Moses. Uh, communicated to God what God had told him. This territory is the homeland you are to divide among yourselves by sacred lot. The Lord has commanded the land to be divided among the nine and a half remaining tribes. The families of the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh have already received their grants of land on the east side of the Jordan River across from Jericho toward the sunrise. And then God, uh, the Lord told Moses, Eleazar the priest and Joshua son of Nun are the men to designate to divide the grants of land among the people. However known, however unknown, however named, however unnamed they were, each and every individual amongst the millions, and there were more than two, maybe three million Israelites, Every single one of them needed to know that God had a unique and specific place for each and every one of them. God wanted them to know that everyone had a place in this community, in amongst this people, in his kingdom. And how important it is that as we re-enter, as we enter into this next season, Every one of us knows that we are all important, that every one of us has a place that we need to take, that we need to own, and, and that we know that we have a place. I love the, 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 the passage of scripture in the book of Micah, which is speaking about the, in the last days. It's speaking about the millennium, which is after the return of Christ, there will be a thousand year rule where Christ rules on earth from Jerusalem and you and I who are followers of Christ, we will rule and reign with Christ Jesus here on earth for a thousand years. <laughs> that is an amazing thought. And we don't have time to go into that, but I just wanna say right now, just pause, Selah. take a moment to think about how wonderful that's going to be. And this is what is written in Micah as the prophet Micah speaks about this time. And he says this, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord, Lord's house will be the highest place of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People will be coming from all over the world to Jerusalem to worship. People from many nations will come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between peoples and will settle disputes between strong nations far away. That's good news for us. They will hammer their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. Everyone will live in peace and prosperity 
enjoying their own grapevines and fig trees, for there will be nothing to fear. The Lord of heaven's armies has made this promise. Though the nations around us will follow their idols, we will follow the Lord our God forever and ever. What an amazing passage of scripture that is. But there's a verse in there that I think is so, so powerful. And it says, everyone will live in prosperity and peace, enjoying their own grapevines and fig trees, for there will be nothing to fear. In other words, everyone will have their own piece of land. Everyone will have somewhere that is their home, their place, their own vines, their own fig trees. I have a fig tree in my garden and I love that fig tree and I love the figs that it produces. And uh, what he's saying is that everyone will have a garden. Everyone will have a fig tree. Everyone will be eating from the fruit of the, the land, the place that God has given to each and every one of them. And in fact, it says in the book of Kings that under Solomon's reign, when the nation of Israel enjoyed the most prosperity that they had enjoyed as a nation at any, other t at any time, it says, 1 Kings 4.25, during Solomon's time, Judah and Israel from Dan to Beersheba lived in safety, everyone under their own vine and under their own fig tree. In other words, there's a place for everyone in God's house. There's a place for everyone in God's family. There's a place for everyone in God's kingdom and in his purpose. And no one will be left out. Micah goes on to say, in, in that coming day, says the Lord, I will gather together those who are lame, those who have been exiles, and those who have been filled with grief. Those who are weak will survive as a remnant, and those who are where exiles will become a strong nation. The kingship will be restored to my precious Jerusalem. So Micah's reiterating, there's a place for everyone. There's a place for the lame. There's a place for those who are exiles, the grieving, the weak, the remnant. No one who ever responds to God's invitation will be shut out. There'll be no rejection. There'll be no shame. There'll be no guilt. There'll be no condemnation and there'll be no fear. And that's the wonder of the kingdom of God that we're a part of, where there should be no shame, no guilt, no fear, no condemnation, no rejection. And Paul exemplifies that and, 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 and he, he, he declares that in the book of Romans, where he says, Romans 8, 1, so now the case is closed. The case against us is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. What a, what a powerful, powerful truth that is. Every one of us needs to know that there's a place for us in God's kingdom. Not just for the nation of Israel, but we today who are in Christ, there is a unique place for each and every one of us. God has a place for us because his kingdom is an inclusive kingdom. The kingdoms of this world are exclusive kingdoms. They're kingdoms where people are shut out. Some people are allowed in, others are shut out. Some people are accepted, others are rejected. But in God's kingdom, there, there will, God's kingdom is inclusive. And his kingdom is one where we are all invited. In the book of Isaiah, God 
calls to his people and says, let everyone who thirst comes. Let everyone who has no money come and eat. There's an open invitation to each and every one of us. And in Revelation 22, verse 17, we read, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. There is a place for everyone at God's table. There is a place for everyone in God's house. But God wants us not only to know that there's a place, but he invites us to come and take our place. And there's a big difference between having a place and taking our place. And one of the great stories is that in, in the Old Testament is the story of Caleb. Caleb, of course, was one of the two spies who went into the promised land with the other 10 spies and came back with a good report of the land and said, come on, we need to go up and take possession of the land. We need to take the place that God's given to us. We need to take ownership of it, along with Joshua, the two that brought back a good report. But the other 10 brought back a bad report. And because the people listened to the 10 who brought back a bad report, they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness before they reached the point where once again, they could take their place. And of course, the only two that survived to go into the land were Joshua and Caleb. And there's an awesome passage in the book of Joshua where Caleb comes uh, to uh, Joshua and he reminds him about how he was one of those who came and brought back a good report. And, and he, he, says, he says this, now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so is my strength now for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain by which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim, the giants were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, to this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. So Caleb knew that God had a place for him, but he wanted to take his place. He wanted to take that place. That place was the mountain. That place was Hebron. And so he knew that, that, that God had given him a place, but in order for him to possess it, he had to take his place. And that is a powerful truth for each and every one of us that God has a place for us, but we, we need to take that place. We need to understand that God's purpose is to place us in the place within the body of Christ, within the church, within our local church. There's a place for every one of us, not just to sit in a, in a seat which is awesome to be in church, but to take a place, 
Take our place where we can contribute. Take our place where we can invest, where we can encourage others, where we can contribute to his plan and purpose because we know our place and we've taken our place in the kingdom. If God's purpose is to place us, guess what the enemy's purpose is? To displace us. He wants to displace us. He wants to do everything he can to see that we are displaced. He'll use um, all sorts of strategies, discouragement. He'll use a sense of, well, I don't make a difference, so what, what would it matter if I, if I take my place or not? It may be through a hurt. It may be that a hurtful experience has displaced or has the potential to displace us. It may be that offense has displaced us because we've allowed an offense to be an obstacle to us taking our place. And the enemy knows that if he can displace us, we can be dislodged. And if we can become dislodged, we can become dislocated. And if we become dislocated, we will become disconnected. And when we become disconnected, we are extremely vulnerable. Here's the thing. When we become disconnected, we become vulnerable to the enemy. There's a story that God reminds the nation of Israel about in Deuteronomy. And he says to them, never forget what the Amalekites did to you as you came from Egypt in the wilderness. They attacked you when you were exhausted and weary. Listen to this. And they struck down those who were straggling behind. They had no fear of God. In other words, the Amalekites, the enemies of God's people, they picked off the stragglers, those who became disconnected because they were tired or weary, were picked off by the enemy. And we need to understand the powerful spiritual principle on, in there that if we become disconnected, we become vulnerable. We can be picked off by the enemy. We, we, we lose uh, the, the, the opportunity that we have to take our place to own our place and to fulfill our purpose. The amazing thing about the, this, this whole story is that, that God wants us to take our place so that we can be established in the place that he has for us. And we've had a saying in our church for a long time, find your place at your own pace. There's a place for everyone but find your place, take your place, own your place, so that you can be a dynamic part of the team as we work together to see God's kingdom come and God's will be done. As we work together to make a difference in our world, to be a voice of hope and to be a voice of faith. And I love the, the, the passage of scripture that, that uh, Paul talks about in the uh, book of Corinthians and Corinthians 12. He talks about all the various uh, ministries in the body of Christ, that every one of us, whether we're aware of it or not, has a unique gift, has a unique gifting that God's given to us, a unique measure of faith that we need to begin to exercise so that when we find our place when we know our place, we take our place, and we own our place, we begin to flow in that. We begin to function in it. And he talks about the, 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 the 
body uh, of Christ. And he says, you can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all say goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body, would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. You and I are a part of the body of Christ. We all have a part to play that is every bit as important. And when we take up, know our place, and when we take our place and we own our place, we begin to function with the body to touch lives, to express Jesus's love, to be people that can be a part of the wonderful process of transformation of seeing God's kingdom come and God's will be done here on earth. When we own our place, we, 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 we begin to, we can't be displaced. We can't be dislodged. We can't be dislocated or disconnected, whatever the pressures, whatever the resistance, whatever the opposition, whatever the offenses, whatever the discouragement, however disheartened we might feel, we can't be displaced because we're owning our place. We're not gonna let it go. We're gonna fight for our place. We're not gonna let those things rob us of our purpose and our destiny. In, uh, and I love the, 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 the fact that that there are so many stories in the Old Testament, the story of one of David's mighty men, Shammah, who when the Philistines banded together at a place, his place, where there was a field of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them, but Shammah stood his, took his stand in the middle of the field and he defended it and struck the Philistines down and the Lord brought about a great victory. Why did the Lord bring about a great victory? Not because he had the strength in his own strength to fight off the enemies, but because he was resolute, because he was immovable, because he wouldn't be moved and he stood fast and he owned that block of land. He wasn't going to let it go. He was going to fight for that field of lentils and God gave him a great victory. When the nation of Israel was in crisis, Saul, uh, Samuel rather, the prophet, when 
the, the nation of Israel was self-destructing again and again, Samuel said this, I'm staying right here at my post, praying for you and teaching you the good and the right way to live. In other words, Samuel said, you can keep self-destructing, you can keep making the wrong choices, you can keep bringing calamity on our nation, but I'm not gonna be moved because I know my place, I've taken my place, and I'm owning my place. I will not be moved. There's an awesome verse in a book of Ecclesiastes which says this, if a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. If your ruler, if your boss, if your leader does something that maybe causes you to be offended, the word of God says, don't leave your post. Don't leave your place. Because in the end, God is gonna work it out if you trust him. And the word of God says, let calmness, calmness can lay great offenses to rest. In other words, don't be, become displaced, dislodged, dislocated and disconnected because of something that happens that that, that is a difficult experience. Own that piece of land, own your place. Know that God has a place for you. One of the saddest passages of scripture in, I think in the New Testament is where Paul is talking to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he talks about Demas, one of his, one of his associates. And he says, for Demas having loved this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Demas deserted Paul. Demas let go of his place, the place that he could have owned. And in doing so, by being moved, by who knows what, maybe it, it was, Paul says it was his love of the world, whatever that might've been, but he was moved by it. And, and he lost his place, he left his place. He lost his opportunity. He lost his destiny. And now there is only loss where he could have had gain by staying where God had placed him. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I love that. That's what it means to own that place, to make it ours, to not be moved, to be steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We need to know our place as we transition into this next season. It's so important that no one is lost in the transition. No one is left behind straggling and picked off by the enemy. No one becomes dislocated displaced or dislocated or disconnected because of nine months of not being able to meet together and, and have becoming maybe relationally disconnected. Let's all of us take the opportunity to step back into what God has for us as we regather, as the things begin to open up again so that we can know our place, that we can take our place and we can own our place. I think of, as I'm closing, I think about Thanksgiving and Christmas. I love Thanksgiving. 
it is and Christmas, but I love Thanksgiving. One of the, I think, one of the most special days of the year when we gather as family and friends. And in our home, we have a big table that we brought from Australia. It seats around 16 people around it. It's about three inches thick, made of Colombian oak. That is Colombia and South America. Uh, antique. Uh, it's an it, the wood is over a hundred years old, and it's one of the favorite pieces of furniture. It is the favorite piece of furniture in our home, and we gather around that table. and And there's always more people, so we have to put out other tables as well. But we 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 always. My wife Di always makes a name tag for everyone. She writes everyone's name on the name tag, and she puts it at the table. And she does that because. We want to make a place for that person at the table. And we always have room at our table for others. There are always people that are coming at the last minute. But for everyone, we write their name and we put it on the table. And how sad it would be if their name was written on the table. There was a place for them at the table, but they didn't show up. And there was just an empty place. And I kind of feel that that's the way God thinks about his table. There's a place for every one of us at his table. Our name is written on that card at the table. But the question is, there's a place for us. Will we take our place? Will we own our place? Because when we do, we can fulfill God's purpose and destiny for our lives. Let's make sure that there is never an empty place or an empty space at our place when it comes to God's table and to God's kingdom. I pray that this word encourages you. You are unique. You are, have something wonderful to offer. Let's collectively take our, our place and let's see the process of transforming our community and our world begin to unfold as we transition into this next season. Let me pray for you. If you're listening to this and you've never ever made a decision to accept Jesus as your savior, maybe you've never, never invited Jesus to, to, to be a part, not just a part of your life, but at the very core of your being. Today, we want you to know that there is your name is written. God is waiting for you. God is, God is wanting you to invite him into your life and into your world. And all you have to do is to say yes. And I want to help you today. If you want to sit down at God's table, if you want to have a place at that table to eat with him, to eat with his family and his people, to begin to have a sense of purpose and destiny that maybe you've never experienced before, and, and that sense of peace in your life, freedom from guilt, knowing that you have the gift of eternal life, that you'll spend eternity in heaven with Jesus and with your loved ones who've gone before you, I would encourage you to pray this prayer and invite you to pray this prayer with me. God will hear your prayer, he'll answer your prayer, and the beginning of a whole new life will begin. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus, and I open up my heart to receive you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me, wash me clean, cleanse me, 
Let me begin a new life again. Let me be born again through the work of your Holy Spirit. And may I know what it is to sit at your table, to partner with you, and to fulfill my God-given purpose and destiny. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer and uh, you pray that from your heart, I want to encourage you to to contact us. The details are on the screen, how you can connect with us. We want to help you to take the next step. We have a great course called Following Jesus. We'd love you to be a part of that and help you take the next step in your Christian walk. And we're here for you. We want to help you every step of the way. I hope that you and all those that were listening have been encouraged by the word today as all of us know our place, take our place and own our place. In Jesus' name, amen. There is no other name but the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will be through it all. So come what may in the space between all the things unseen and this reckoning. I know I will never be alone. Sing that one more time. I know I will never be alone. There'll be another in the fire standing next to me. There'll be another in the waters holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding, how good you've been to me I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be And I can see the light in the darkness As the darkness bows to Him I can hear the roar in the heavens As the space between where's thin I can feel the ground shake beneath us as the prison walls came in Nothing stands between us Nothing stands between There'll be another in the fire Standing next to me There'll be another in the waters Holding back the seas And should I ever need reminding How good you've been to me I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I pray that you're encouraged. Faith has risen in your heart. And I'm so excited about the future as we all take our place and own our place stepping into this new season. We had an awesome worship night last night, worship and communion night. And I want to encourage you, if you've never been a part of that, uh, make sure you come to the next one two weeks from now at the front of our church, the space and place for everyone. You can be as distant as you like, uh, but to be there together is a powerful thing. And, and we want to encourage you to take uh, to be here with us. And it's a great step towards the reintegration of us as a church when we meet on Sundays again. We're, we're keeping our eyes on how things are moving. Uh, we will be informing you and letting you know about 
our plans to restart our Sunday morning services as things develop. Let's be prayerful about that as we move forward. I also want to remind you that our life groups are opening and starting again this Tuesday. We've had a two-week break, and if you have never been a part of a life group, they're a great place to connect with other people, get to know people better. Um, we, many of them are online, some of them are in person, but they're great opportunities to share the joys and, and the hard times of life together. So much better when in the good times and the bad times, we're doing life we're not doing life alone, we're doing life together. And so we'd love you to join one of those on the screen. You can uh, see the details of how you can connect with us and we can direct you to a life group that you could be a part of. As we approach the national election, which is coming up in just a few short weeks, let's be prayerful. In a time of division and disunity and turmoil, let's pray, pray that God would would, would have the last word. Pray that God's will be done. Like Jesus prayed uh, and taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as, it is, as in heaven. The word of God says righteousness exalts a nation. Let's pray that the outcome of this election would lead towards righteousness in our nation. And God, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love you. We appreciate you. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you now and evermore. May you be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.